I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your Let's do that one more time. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my Take joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet, sweet sound, and let it be a sweet, sweet, and let it be a sweet. Sweet sound in your ears. Amen. You know, as we're worshiping and we're seeing uh, good, good Father, I uh, had this great sense. You, you guys ever have a moment that you felt like you just needed a good cry? You know, sometimes there is just this need for a, a good emotional experience. I just have to let something out. Maybe, uh, maybe some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but some of you do. Well, I kind of got this sense that, that there was kind of, and this could be risky, I guess it could be risky, uh, but that there was this need not to have a good cry, but to have a good shout. The Hebrew call it a, a shabak. Right, it's when the children of Israel get to Jericho and God gives them, says, hey, you know, seven days, six days, I want you to go around and walk around Jericho. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times. On the seventh time, I want all the people to stand up and shout. Sometimes you just need a good shout. And so I want to invite you. I know it's risky, and listen, if you feel uncomfortable with it, it's okay. Uh, It was uncomfortable for me for the first time. But I tell you what, the truth is, when I'm watching my basketball, I am not uncomfortable shouting. When I'm watching my football, I am not uncomfortable shouting. I just release the emotion because I'm excited about what's taking place. And as we were singing, you're a good, good father, I felt this tension in the room and that I am loved by you. There's this tension in the room and I felt like it was like we need just to give God a good shout. So I just want to invite you to give God a shout. So just give him a shout. Hallelujah. God, you are good. You a good father. You are good. Father, you are a good father. 
I know, I'm sorry for some of you that were a little uncomfortable with that. It will be okay. It will be okay. But there's just some moments in our lives that we just need to shout. We need to give God a praise. We need to just celebrate them. We just need to, to throw a party and respect and reverent the goodness and grandeur of a holy and awesome God. Listen, the truth is that it was not based on who the personalities were in Israel. It was just God's command. The seventh time, just shout, and the walls came down. Do you realize that there are moments that you have walls in your life and all God is waiting for is you just to give him praise? You just to celebrate them? Amen. Hey, so uh, I'm North Flood, and uh, we're going to continue our series on absolute. And here's this thing. It's the, the book of Luke, and it's understanding that truth is not relative. We live in a society where truth is relative, right? The, you, we can't have absolute truths, right? That's, you know, because then I don't want you to impose your truth on me. Listen. Luke is writing this letter, and he's writing this letter to his friend Theophilus, and who is his governing official in Rome. And he's like, listen, I want you to be certain of the things that you've, that you've heard and, and what you've been taught. So I'm going to write you this letter. I, I, I want to make sure that your faith is solid so that you can have some absolute truth, so that you can live with certainty. So Luke writes this. He writes Luke, and then he writes the second book of Luke, which we call Acts, so that Theophilus would be certain of the things he's learned. And so I just want to recap really quickly. Last week, Doug taught on the story of Zechariah, and he gave us uh, five significant truths. This is Luke 1, 1 through 25. And the first truth he gave was that bad things happen to good people. He's talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were righteous and blameless, yet they were still barren. He says, in the midst of the bad, we can still honor God. So Zechariah and Elizabeth maintained their integrity during their barrenness. They maintained their service while barren. He said, God is always at work. Even when we can't see God at work, we must know that when God is working, he's producing good. God's always at work, and whenever God works, he's producing good. For all things work for the good. God's working it for your good. Even the stupid stuff that you created, God will work for good. Amen, brother pastor. What God is up to is beyond your expectations. Zechariah and Elizabeth thought that it was over, but God gave them a son who would be great and who would make ready the way of the Lord. It was beyond their expectations. They thought that those days were long gone by. And finally he says, God makes the impossible kind of with that framework that I want to talk today, because God 
filled of miracles. He is still the God of the impossible. And for Zechariah and Elizabeth, God was redoing a miracle he had consistently done throughout history. Sarah, 90, giving birth to Isaac. So this miracle for Elizabeth and, and Zechariah was not a new miracle. God is the God of the impossible. I think there's a simple truth that we need to understand that we must simply be available for the miracle. We must give God permission to do the impossible in our lives. We must consent. See, the miracle or the impossible things happen in our lives happens when we position ourselves, when we make ourselves available to God. Now, a miracle can be a healing. A miracle can be a changed heart. You know, we like to say, this is a big miracle. This is a little miracle. If I asked you to go to the ocean and say, oh, go with a teaspoon or a tanker, does it matter to the ocean? So God's not like big miracle, little miracle. That's what we do. So a miracle can be a healing, but it can also be a changed heart. And, and as we think through and as we pray through, as we read through uh, our portion of Scripture today, I want you to read or listen through this framework. God's invitation plus our yes equals the impossible. God's invitation plus our yes equals the impossible. Or it leads to the impossible. Luke 1, 26 to 38. Let's read it really quickly. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favorite one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. This is the day that you made. And Lord, we celebrate you. We bless your name. And God, we invite you in these moments. And we say, Lord, 
yes to your will, yes to your way. God, I pray that I would decrease and that you would explode. That you would break every fetter, every chain. That your anointing would destroy every yoke. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I don't know if you guys have heard this recurring theme that Doug's been saying over the last year. He says, the movement of God begins with an invitation. The movement of God begins with an invitation. So thus we have this equation that God's invitation plus our yes equals the impossible. God's invitation plus our yes equals the impossible. See, God is the God of the impossible. I mean, creation itself began from impossible. It began from a word. There was nothing. God spoke and there was everything. That's impossible. But not with God. Our salvation fits this simple formula. God invites us into his family. We say yes, we are saved. God speaks, we believe. We are saved. We hear the gospel, we believe. We are saved. God sends his son to die in our stead, and he is raised back to life. We believe, and we are saved. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, plus we believe our salvation. God's invitation plus our yes leads to the impossible. How could a dirty, wretched person like me enter heaven? God's invitation, my yes, the impossible. It's how it happened. And as we read Luke 1, 26 to 38, we see this as Mary's invitation to participate in the impossible. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. Luke here is connecting two impossible stories. He said, listen, uh, Mary, I need you to know that an impossible thing just happened six months ago. Six months ago, a woman was barren and she was old. But that's not difficult for God. He's connecting these ideas. For you simply... Elizabeth and Zechariah are experiencing this miracle, uh, and God has answered a prayer that they've prayed for decades, that God would give them a boy. Don't give up on your prayer. Uh-huh. It may have been a long time, and you may have to wait, but don't give up on your prayer. See, disappointment can rob you from what God wants for you. So don't give up on your prayer. Verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And and so, you know, God is connecting uh, this prophetic utterance that uh, Isaiah 7 and 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He's connecting, Luke is connecting the dots that, listen, this virgin, Mary, is the, the virgin that was spoke about in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And that she will conceive a son and we shall call him Emmanuel, that God is with us. 
And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now this has gotten, uh, caused some debate and created a little bit of trouble in the church because some translations say, uh, um, Hell thou, thou art full of grace, talking about Mary. And which can bring a bit of confusion because some people believe that Mary is the source of that grace. And so it leads to Mary being divinity. And so we think that we should pray to Mary. But no, Mary is a recipient of that grace. She's a recipient of grace. Grace is simply unmerited favor. Something that you do not deserve. Even in all your good self, you don't deserve God's grace. Even at your best self, you don't deserve God's grace. It's unmerited favor. And that's what Mary is experiencing. Mary, too, was in need of a Savior. If you don't believe it, read the Magnificat. She says, what was to be born of me is my Savior. <laughs> that was funny. I want also to take a moment to, as the, the angel Gabriel speaks to her, he says, Greetings, O favorite one, the Lord is with you. And the angel Gabriel is connecting an Old Testament truth about favor. Because favor and presence go hand in hand. See, sometimes we think favor is houses and cars. And favor is the presence of stuff. But favor is the presence of God. See, this is what Moses says. He says, how can it be known? How, how would they know that we are favored, uh, I and your people? Is it not that you go with us? Isn't it that that distinguishes us from every other nation on the earth? Isn't it that your presence is with us? So when, when Gabriel was saying to, to Mary, listen, you have found favor. Oh, favor one. He said, God is with you, girl. God has considered you, girl. Has nothing to do with how great Mary is. It has everything to do with how great God is. And that he chose to favor her. See, Mary is a type of the church. We receive favor. Not because we're so awesome. Because he's so good. And verse 29 says, But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I was reading, you got to ask a few questions. I mean, like, really? Why is Mary troubled by favor? Why is she troubled uh, by the words, the Lord is with you? I mean, if anything, if, if somebody can say something about me, I would want them to say, you know what? The Lord is with Northwest. I mean, You can say, man, he does 
so many things right in the eyes of the Lord, that's wonderful. You can call me blameless and righteous, that's great. But if you say the Lord's with him, that's like, yeah. I'm like, that's what I want. I want to be known that the Lord is with me. And so she's troubled here. And the word trouble here is, there's two words. So if you remember in, uh, in Luke 1, the Bible says, when the angel appeared before Zechariah, Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel. And Zechariah is troubled over the angel, but Mary is troubled over the same. She's troubled over the greeting. He's troubled, he's in fear because of the angel. She's troubled because of the, the saying. And there are two different Greek words for trouble. The one for, uh, uh, for Zechariah troubled means that he's disturbed. Like, ooh, this is disturbing. For Mary, she's not disturbed, she's confused. When it says that she's troubled, she's confused, and it, it, it's really likened to many of us. But, uh, someone says, listen, uh, you are favored, and the Lord is with you. You know, there are moments in our lives that our circumstances contradict the truth. How are you saying that I'm favored, and the Lord is with me, and we ain't got nothing? Come on. Mary and Joseph are both descendants of David. They are descendants of royalty, but you can't tell. It doesn't look like it. So how is it that I'm favored and the Lord is with me? My husband is not royalty, he's a carpenter. It makes me think about Gideon. Gideon, when the angel appears before him, uh, Gideon makes this statement. He's troubled too. He's, he, he's like, my, my circumstances contradict the truth of what you're saying. Uh, my reality contradicts my reality. Uh, Gideon says, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And, and where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted? Have you ever had a moment where you said, God, if I'm favored, if you're with me, why, what in the world is going on? Right. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There are moments in our life, and, you know, and we're reading, God, God has favored you, and, 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 and you are blessed coming and going, blessed in the city, in the field, and you're like, am I? Because sometimes in life, our circumstances contradict truth. I can't be favored. I'm poor. I can't be favored. This doesn't look like favor. Listen, what you're experiencing today is not an indicator of God's love or God's favor in your life. In fact, the truth is because Jesus entered the scene 2,000 years ago, you have entered into a dispensation of favor that God has given you greater consideration, has nothing to do with you, has everything to do with his goodness. And so what happens, and this is what happens with Mary, is that we live in the tension between fact and truth. See, these may be the facts, but there's truth. And truth 
always trump fact. Well, what are you talking about? See, it may be the fact that cancer's in your body. That's a fact. But truth is, by his stripes, you were healed. That's truth. I, see, okay, see, I, I know y'all kind of disconnected. You're not getting it yet. See, let me tell you something. Faith is not a denial of facts. Faith is trust in truth. Okay, what are you talking about? Because y'all still like, hmm? I, I can feel kind of the pushback because you're like, oh, we, I'm not, I don't want to be one of those crazy faith people. Listen, you are a faith person. It's the only way you're saved is by faith, by trusting God. By believing God. And listen, you will have facts that show up in your life, but your job is not to give the report of the facts. Your job is to give the report of the Lord. It's to live by truth. The just shall live by the facts. No, the just, they live by faith. And really, it's they live by God's faithfulness. The psalmist says that we shall feed on his faithfulness. Do you realize the scriptures teach us that Sarah received strength to conceive because she judged God faithful? Because she said, listen, I'm not going to look at my old 90-year-old body and I'm not going to look at wrinkled Abraham. I'm a judge God faithful. I've watched time and time again how he's delivered me. I'm going to feed on his faithfulness. I'm not going to feed on the facts. I'm going to feed on his faithfulness. He's always come through. He's never lied. Faith is not a denial of facts. Faith is trust in truth. What is truth? Jesus says, thy word is truth. Verse 30, and the angel answered and said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I know you're troubled. I know you're confused. But listen, there's favor in your life. And, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua, or Yahweh saves. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, another prophecy, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, when it says there, his king, there will be no end to his kingdom, there, he's there's prophecy that's taking place. This is some absolute stuff that's happening. You guys with me? You okay? Luke 126. And Mary says, How will this be since I do not know a man? See, there have been great debates about a virgin birth, but we believe in a virgin birth. And so, whether it doesn't matter what Hebrew word that they use when they said maiden and in, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, really doesn't matter because Mary said, I ain't never known no man. Never. How is this going to happen? I, 
I've never known a man. The angel continues. Let me back up. See, unlike Zachariah's question when he says, how is this going to happen? Mary's question is not a question sourced from unbelief. Mary's question is sourced from the fact that something like this has never happened before. Remember, Sarah was 90. God did the impossible there. Right? So Zachariah wasn't living from the word. He was living from this disappointment. And so disappointment can lead to unbelief. It makes our faith shaky. So he was old, and they had never had a children. So they had never had a child. So he's like, year after year, I find myself disappointed. I prayed, I prayed, disappointed. I prayed, I prayed, disappointed. And so all of a sudden, after a while, well, you know, it's not going to happen. Mary's question is not sourced from unbelief. It's sourced, this ain't nothing like this ever happened. I've never known a man. Well, all I know is that the way these things happen is the birds and the bees. You tell your children what I mean. There's no precedence for what you're talking about, Gabriel. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Uh, and I want you to understand, there is no sexual experience. It's only a reproductive experience. See, it's akin to Genesis 1 and 2 when it says, And the earth was without form and void and darkness over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. The word hovering means to brood over or to flutter over. It's the same way we get of a hen brooding over her, her eggs, resting over eggs. It's a reproductive thing. It comes from the old English word brood, where we get the word breed. And so the Holy Spirit came upon her, and there was this breeding that happened. Right? Because Jesus became both man and God. Why? Because, because of Mary and because of the Holy Ghost. Are you guys with me? So, there's an absolute that Jesus is a God-man. He's son of God and he's son of man. He's a God-man. Spirit was hovering. Really, as I look at this story, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and uh, he was like, you know, the, the trouble with the trouble with stories like this is, what's the application? How do I live from something like this? Remember, God's invitation plus our yes leads to or equals the impossible. See, a story like this tells me that we have great need. We have a great need of God's Spirit to come upon us. You know, I, I'm always amazed. I think about this story. Mary could not do this on her own. 
She needed the Holy Spirit to come upon her. I'm amazed that Jesus could not do this on his own. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me. He needed the activity of the Holy Spirit. We, too, have a great need. God's invitation, you need to know, when God gives you an invitation, it comes with God's power. God's not inviting you into impotence. He's inviting you into power. He said, listen, I'm going to take your impossible stuff and I'm going to make it possible. I love what the preacher man, his, his last name was Tertullian. I can't remember his first name. He said, God plus nothing equals everything. Billy Graham's great son, his grandson, has a quote. But our great need, we need to have a need for God's spirit. It's a dependency on the spirit of God. And we need to say, God, would you hover over me? Would you rest over me? Number two, is we need, we have a great need to be available. Verse 38 says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She made herself available to God. She simply said yes. She said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. My life does not belong to me. I belong to you, God. Listen. What God needs from you more than anything else is he needs your heart. Because once he gets your heart, he, got, he has everything else. Like we, uh, yeah, yeah. we need people to give. No, we need people to, we need, you know, we need people to give their heart. We need people to serve. No, we need people to give their heart. Because once God has your heart, he has everything. And you need to know when he has your heart, we're talking about about a God that can do anything. Even when your situation is contradicted, he's the God of the impossible. And lastly, Verse 36 says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Now, you need to get connected to someone who's further along in the journey than you. You need to be around somebody that's experienced impossible so they're not doubting the stuff that got spoken in your life. Elizabeth has experienced possibility. She's experienced the miracle of God. And so Mary is going to hang out with somebody who's experienced a miracle. You need somebody to fan the, fan, fan the flame in your life. To say, hey, it's possible. I know your kids are tripping. Yeah, mine were too, but I kept praying. I kept seeking God. Impossible is nothing to God. 
God's not in heaven like, oh my gosh, a car. He doesn't think that way. And so I want the band to come. So most important, you have God's invitation, but you have our yes. Probably a good 60, 70 years ago, there's a man by the name of C.H. Mason. And uh, he was the founder of uh, this movement or denomination called the Church of God in Christ. And he would just simply sing one song. And he would say, yes, 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 Lord. That was the whole song. Yes, 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 Lord. Something that was in his heart that his life didn't belong to him. And so one of our greatest needs that we want the impossible, but God's like, I just want you. Would you just say yes? And as you say yes, the Spirit of God will come and hover. And so I want you to sing with us. And if you have part of your life in reserve that you haven't said yes to, I want you to really say, God, no longer am I holding the reserve children, money, my future, my career. Lord, you can have it all. Say yes to him. Would you just say yes to him? Would you simply say yes to him? Would you simply say yes to him? God, have yes to your will, yes to your way, yes to your move. God, we say yes. We